But I want to start out today, kind of jump right into it. I'm going to start out with a quote um, from a guy, George Washington Carver. Um, if you don't know who he is, please, please look him up because he's a fascinating inventor and writer and speaker. Um, and he said this, he said, 99% of failures come from people who have a habit of making excuses. Mm. Isn't that interesting? Interesting. I read recently that we live in an excuse-saturated culture. In an excuse-saturated culture. Let's put that there. There we go. And uh, the question is, but why, right? Why do we make excuses? Maybe you find yourself kind of in that camp. Um, but um, before we answer that question, I want to describe for you something that um, I saw recently. Um, right around the block from here, I think it was like Wednesday or so, I saw a um, fish tank and there were fish in it and there was a big sign that said free. I don't know if anybody drove by who's in the local vicinity and somebody was giving away some free fish. Um, and I don't know if you've been to the aquarium recently, one of the places that we have many uh, access to here in the central Pennsylvania region. Um, but at an aquarium, you know, a little bit different than the home fish that you find in people's living rooms, um, we go to see right, exotic fish, right? Um, many of us, if you've been to like Baltimore Aquarium, you go to see the sharks. Maybe you have a child, grandchild, niece, nephew, somebody that you've taken before, maybe you yourself, to go and to see the sharks. Well, did you know, little known fact here, is a shark who is raised in a fish tank, you can raise them, I don't think it's legal, but um, you can raise them in a fish tank, and if you keep a shark in a fish tank from when it's like hatched, it will grow about eight inches long. Grow about eight inches long, and mostly any species. So grow about eight inches. But did you know that whether in a aquarium tank or especially in the ocean, the same species of shark will grow to be eight plus feet? Eight inches, eight plus feet. It's a pretty big difference. And you know this that if you've ever kept a little goldfish, like the people getting rid of the fish, um, if you've ever kept a little goldfish in a little bowl, they don't tend to grow very big. They tend to keep the, the same size as the bowl versus an aquarium or a pond. And it's interesting, though, because the reason we do that is mainly to protect the fish, right? To protect, in the case of sharks, to protect us from the fish and maybe being eaten by them. It's a means of an aquarium a fish tank is meant to keep the fish, as well as those on the outside, keep them safe. But it also limits the growth of what's inside. A shark will never ever outgrow the environment that it's in. But if you expand the environment, if you take away the glass walls of the fish tank, you can watch the growth happen. Well, I think if we're honest for a moment, excuses are kind of like fish tanks. They're good because they shield us and they protect ourselves, but they ultimately, they prevent our growth. They prevent our growth. Fish tanks that we construct, they're often fueled by things like fear or insecurity. Did you know there's kind of a fine line between a reason and an excuse? And often reasons disguise themselves as excuses and excuses uh, disguise themselves as reasons. 
And from a distance, an excuse often looks like an actual reason when we give them. Excuses, they get passed off as reasons, and excuses become things like becauses and buts. There's some big buts that we tend to resort to in our lives. And some, all of us, though, have some of our becauses and buts because we habitually hide when certain things come up. We habitually hide, and it's why we procrastinate about certain things. We come up with excuses because it's why we neglect certain things or why we avoid certain things. We hide behind excuses. They protect us, but they prevent growth. So just to give you a couple of examples here, I have my friend um, Ben Hodge. Ben, I'm going to give you this because I think it might be easier for you to be heard here. So Ben, um, if you didn't know, is one of our teachers in our congregation, wor worship leader, also does improv, I believe, and that kind of thing. So I'm going to put Ben on the spot, and um, I'm going to give him a couple of becauses and buts here, and he's going to fill in the blank. Okay, you ready for this, Ben? Got it. Okay. I was running late because... Oh, I couldn't find my shoes in the closet, and I, it was just... It's hard to get my shoes on, man. It's hard for your shoes. Yeah, okay. I couldn't yeah. find them. They were lost. Okay, that's kind of a bad... You can't drive without shoes, right? No, you shouldn't. No, it's well, illegal. I did not want to get stopped. That's illegal. You don't want to get stopped. The yeah, cop will say, So I didn't want to be put are. in a situation. Yeah, that would be, okay. Yeah. I didn't do my homework because... Oh, man, it was really loud at my house, and the Wi-Fi was down, and it was like I, I didn't have access to anything, so mm, that's I couldn't get bad. it done. Yeah. My parents are really loud. I, I can't... <laughs> That's a good one. I can't exercise because... Oh, my hamstring. Whew. I tweaked it the other day. I was putting up a box in the basement, and I, like, reached for it a little bit, and it just, like, tugged a little bit, and I couldn't... I can't even... Like, check this out. Like, I can't even move it. Ooh. Uh, ooh, it's really, really tight. It's, it's really, really tight. tight. Uh, I'm sorry. And then my yeah. back, that got tweaked, too. Oh, wow. You're yeah, really Yeah, I was picking apart, up my man. child. I was picking up my little one, and I just kind of felt something pull. Now, she's 16, you know? Okay. <laughs> okay, and last but not least, I didn't let you know I wasn't coming because... Oh, you know, I had a couple things on my calendar, and I just didn't see it. It was like sandwiched between two yeah, of the right. other things, and mm. I just couldn't make it. I'm so sorry. I saw it, but it was like already it started already on, so yeah. i was like you know i'm not gonna yeah. i don't no. want to like cause any you don't want to disrupt right yeah yeah, yeah you know yeah. so thanks for yeah, understanding that kind of no that's good awesome well thank you ben that was that was pretty awesome but isn't it true like we say those things all the time like we hide behind excuses we create a tank of becauses and excuses also for why we avoid certain kinds of people for why we avoid certain people why we avoid events circumstances, and even opportunities. Excuses also help us to stay a victim of how others have wronged us. They help us maintain lies in our lives. They help us from taking responsibility. We also make excuses so we don't have to decide. But you know what? An excuse is really just a lie we tell ourselves about ourselves. It's blaming something internal on something external. So today we're gonna talk about excuses, but especially the excuses that keep us from a greater commitment to God. 
And everyone has excuses, I myself included, all the time, right? But, but no one actually knows what's on the other side of them. And it's possible, it's possible that you may be missing out on the ocean because you've walled yourself in, in the fish tank. And your message today, if you don't get anything else out of this, the take home is, I want you to think it's time to break the tank. It's time to break the tank. And I'll say this at the outset, like, I love you all. I love you all. I really do. Like, you're, like, in here, right? Like, deep in my heart. But today, we're going to push, I'm going to push you a little bit. I'm going to push you and challenge you and encourage you. And last week, last week we began this series talking about a decisive moment in the Gospel of Luke in Jesus' ministry, a decisive moment. And um, if you have a worship guide, if you can also follow along with us in that, the scriptures are included there for you to take home as well. Um, but last week we talked about this decisive moment in the Gospel of Luke that we're basically Jesus is anticipating already what's going to happen after the cross, after the resurrection, after he even leaves his disciples. He's anticipating what's going to happen at Pentecost, which is really the birthday of the church, is when the Holy Spirit comes and fills this room of followers and transforms them to begin to share the message of, of Jesus with the world. So he's anticipating, though, this is chapters back, and Jesus' ministry in this time, instead of it being about him, it shifts to being about his disciples. From then on in this point in Scripture, uh, from then on, what it meant to follow Jesus changed. It changed. Because at this point, at this point, Jesus knew what was ahead but knew his followers were not ready to carry on without him or take the lead on what he was going to call them to do, that they needed to grow up. And we talked about these four groups of people that kind of surrounded Jesus, and you see these patterns throughout Scripture, even past uh, when Jesus ascends to heaven, that there's the crowd, the people that are kind of experimenting, that are trying to figure out, they're listening, they're, they're trying to discover what Jesus, this Jesus is about. Then you have the followers who are one step closer, they come back. They're kind of Jesus' bigger entourage that surrounds him. Then you have the disciples who make this commitment to follow Jesus even closer, to be with him for those three years of ministry. And then you kind of have the, the leaders, the three that were close of the disciples that were closest to Jesus, that he invested in, and that would later go on to be leaders in the church and the movement of Jesus of the way. But last week we talked about how growing up in our faith requires us, though, to take off the training wheels, to take off the training wheels, to let ourselves be in situations and to be pushed and encouraged, to take a step of faith so that no matter where we find ourselves in this, these kind of circles surrounding Jesus, that we're pushed to grow, that there's so many Christians, there's so many people that stay in one place their entire lives because they never grow to that next stage. See, Jesus knew that his followers couldn't grow, though, if they weren't committed. If they weren't committed. And isn't that true of any area in life? Further growth requires greater commitment. In, in our spirituality, think about that for a second. In many areas of our life, further growth requires greater commitment. Well, several years back, I um, was uh, a part of a church and uh, 
learning to preach and do all kinds of ministry stuff. And um, I have to say, I had like, I loved our worship team and the music that they led. And I'm kind of, I'm a learner. That's like one of the things that I do, one of my strengths. And I decided like, I wanted to like be like the worship team and I wanted to like learn an instrument. I play the clarinet, I played in marching band and that kind of stuff, but I wanted to learn like something that could be like utilized as part of a worship team. So I decided to learn to play guitar. So a friend of mine gave me their old guitar and I sat there, I had like my little computer, YouTube like is fantastic and it was like learning some chords and that kind of thing and I have to say like, I think I learned like maybe three chords, I could probably play every like Chris Tomlin song that you can imagine. Um, but I, I, it was a matter of weeks that went by and like life got busy, I was taking classes and working and doing all this stuff. And um, probably about like a month and a half later, like my guitar practicing went from being like maybe three, four times a week to being like zero times a week. And um, I have to say from that point, I did not get any better at playing guitar. And even right now, I probably could not pick up one of these and like hold a chord at all. I don't know, that'd be really, really sad. But the thing is, I wanted to grow, but I wasn't committed. I wanted to grow, I wanted to learn this, but I wasn't committed to putting the time in, the investment, it just kind of like faded off the radar. And you know this, further growth requires greater commitment. Any area of life, and Jesus knew this, that further growth spiritually requires greater commitment. They go hand in hand together. And so Jesus, at this point, he turns his teaching towards the commitment that growth requires for us in our lives. So we look at Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 23. And then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. Mm. But whoever loses their life for me will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world and let lose or forfeit their very self? Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the Father and the holy angels. Truly, I tell you, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God. So that's a lot that's jam-packed in there, but what I really want to focus on is in verse 23, the very beginning, he says, let them deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. Right? Last week, we talked about why people were primarily following Jesus. That starting with the crowd, the crowd was with Jesus because of what Jesus could do for them. He was the one who did miracles. He was the one who brought healing. People were bringing him uh, sick people left and right. He was, they were coming him to get fed. They were trying to figure out and follow him because of what he could give them. And no wonder why the crowd grew so big. Does that still happen today, right? Like if you feed the people, they will come. If you do something magical or mystical or kind of scary, like people will come. But here, Jesus, he changes the commitment that was required. Because isn't it true? It's not hard to follow someone when the person is doing everything you want them to do. It's easy to follow when it feels like you're being taken care of, when everything goes as you want, when you're getting everything you need. But right after Jesus meets their needs, he tells them from this point on, if you want to be a follower, you have to deny yourself. Basically, you have to put yourself 
on hold. Whoa, right? And commentators, people that have done lots of research on this kind of, this, this scripture, they say different things about what it means to take up your cross. But I believe that the cross was the mission that God called Jesus on. And I think in our lives, the, 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 that mission is the thing that God wants us to pursue. And it involves sacrifice. It involves sacrifice. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross. He adds that word daily in there. Like you can circle that. Daily, right? Daily, it's a day-by-day thing. And follow me. This is a gut-check statement. See, Jesus knew that only those committed, that only those most committed would be willing to set themselves aside and do something that went against their own self-interest. See, Jesus knew that there would be those who were in it just for themselves. And they would have to answer a really, really tough question. What are you willing to do? Well, you can imagine, as soon as Jesus said this, this is when the excuses started flying. Jesus often does this. If you really decide to follow Jesus, Jesus exposes things in our lives things that we haven't wanted to deal with or things that we haven't seen before or things that we've been wrestling with. I have a friend who um, decided to do a little experiment. Um, you know, a lot of times when somebody's going through like a hard time, maybe an illness or maybe a passing of a loved one or that kind of thing, like what do, you, what do you say to somebody that's going through a hard time? You say like, if there's anything I can do for you, let me know, right? Most of us say those things. Well, he decided to do a little experiment, and he was going through a rough time, and he decided to actually take people up on it. <laughs> so, so when somebody came up to him and said, well, is there anything I can do for you? Let me know. He said, actually, there is. Can you mow my lawn this week? And somebody else asked, is there anything I can do for you? And they said, can you do dinner? Like, can you give us dinner like maybe three or four times? He said it was amazing to watch people's faces when he like, responded, yes, you, there is something you can do. He was like, like the deer in the headlights, like, really? And he said, it was, it, this is really interesting. People were like, well, like, I didn't, like, I, I'm kind of busy. Like, I, you know, maybe I'll get to it. Like, you know, it's kind of like something you say. You don't actually do it. You don't actually commit to doing it. Well, I think it was kind of like this for Jesus. When, when Jesus made people happy, when he helped them, it was all okay. But now he's requiring something of those who are following him. He's saying, take up your cross. And imagine he looked around, that's when the excuses started flying, and that's when we hear three stories of excuses that came then. And it's interesting, in some Bibles, some Bibles title this section in Luke's Gospel, they title it, The Would-Be Followers of Jesus. Okay, so first story. First story, these are super short. The first story in Luke 9, 57 to 58. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So this is the man on the road. Let me just pause here. 
So um, when I was first feeling called to ministry, um, many of you know my story, but I was an environmental scientist doing research and that kind of thing. God had a change in plans, and I was wrestling with this, uh, what it meant to be, would be a pastor and that kind of thing. And fortunately at the church I was attending, I had an associate pastor who um, supported women in ministry, but also um, would, was someone who was just supportive overall. So I, I went to his house one night to ask him, what does it mean, like, how do you become, like, a pastor? Like, what do I have to do? I remember him, like, talking to me and uh, encouraging me, and then he kind of went through the process. That it would be years long, it would require schooling and all these classes, that you would have to go before a board for credentialing every year and to make sure that you were doing the right things and serving and getting experience. And I remember leaving his house that night I was much less enthusiastic. <laughs> you know, I'm like, can't I just go online and get a certificate, right? That's what people do, right? But have you ever done that? Did you ever like have an idea or something you wanted to do and you got enthusiastic, but then you realize like, this is gonna be a lot of work. This is gonna be a lot of commitment. Well, that's this guy. He says, I'll follow wherever you go, Jesus. And Jesus said, really, really? Do you know how hard this is going to be? You know, how uncomfortable this is going to be. I think what Jesus is getting to is the fact that following is not going to be comfortable. See, this guy, his kind of objection or excuse in his head is, but I'm comfortable. Because each of these stories, by the way, alludes to the fact that these people did not follow. He says, I, I'm comfortable, right? I'm comfortable. I don't want to do that. I like, I like where I am. That, that he's telling this guy, like, well, maybe you might need to move. You can't maintain comfort and follow. And the story doesn't say this, but I think the man probably said it, but hey, you know what, I'm not up for that. Like no place to lie your head, like the Airbnb thing might be nice, Jesus, like or hotel rooms or that kind of thing. I'm not up for this wandering thing. But I think when we think about our own lives, right? Have you ever followed God just to the edge? Like just to the edge, just where there's the comfort, right? Just like right here, but like, to take that next, uh, I can't do that, right? I can't go there, I can't go to the recovery meeting, like, no, 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 I'll just like be me, me and Jesus and like pray a lot and I'll like overcome this addiction by myself, like, but that recovery, like, ah, I, I, I can't do that, right? Or to say, hey, you know what, that, like connection in a church, like, hey, I was burned before and church people are evil and all that stuff and like, but I, I can't really get to know anybody, it's just safer for me to just like show up and then leave and that kind of thing, right? I'm getting in some people's backyards, I know that. So, but, but seriously, like we, we get there, we follow him right to the edge, even when, even when he might be like pushing us, right? Might be pushing, there might be those, those kinds of things that, that come along. Have you ever followed when it became an inconvenience to you? When you knew doing that the right thing was gonna cost you financially? When it might be costly even with friendships or relationships, that doing the right thing or taking the high road might be costly, to you. But I have to tell you, friends, I know from my own journey, sometimes we need discomfort in our lives to help us make a move. We need it. And that was this first guy. He was good with following as long as he could maintain comfort. But then there's a story of a second, the man with the father. This is a great one. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. 
Let's just pause there. This is a great excuse. This is surely a great, good excuse. Some excuses are valid, and this guy, he's, he's one of, like, you know, probably follower, disciple in that realm. He calls Jesus Lord. He probably has a strong faith. He says, I got to go home and bury my father. So basically he's saying, hey, this comes first, but this comes first. And, and had we stopped there at, the, at verse 59 where he said, hey, Lord, just let me go and bury my father. Had we stopped and not seen the rest of the story? You know, how many of us would vote, this is lovable Jesus, right? What would he say? He would probably say we would fill in the blank. Well, of course, your dad, I'm so sorry. Can I pray with you? Like, can I give you a meal? Can I do that? Like, but instead, Jesus says, what? This is really disturbing. He says, let the dead bury their dead. And some commentators say that Jesus wouldn't have meant this. Like, he didn't do this. He didn't actually say this. But we have to think for a minute. We don't actually know if his dad is dead. He might be sick, but he might not be dead yet. He might be perfectly healthy. I think what this guy is saying is, is something to the tune of, I have really important stuff going on in my life, Jesus. Like, hold on, wait for me. And Jesus says no. He says no because imagine, had he allowed this man to do this, this follower would have missed all that Jesus was about to do because he was headed to Jerusalem to the cross. You know, how many of us have done this in our own lives? I'm not going to ask Ben to do this, but as soon as I blank, I'll blank, right? As soon as I graduate, I'll blank, right? As soon as I have more time, or as soon as I have more money, or as soon as the kids get older, as soon as I find someone, as soon as I get married, you know, it's, I love you, God, but I'll fit you in as soon as I finish everything else, as soon as I get to that point, whatever that is. But Jesus looks at this guy and he says, no, no, I, I won't take second place, I won't take third place, and I won't take fourth place. I think the story reminds us that excuses are usually not bad things. They're usually noble things, though, that keep us from God. Jesus is saying that even good intentions are not more important than him, that he comes first. But then there's the third and last story, the man with the goodbyes. So continuing, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So don't you want these stories to go away? Like, I don't want this, like this should not be in here. This doesn't make me feel all warm and fuzzy. This guy wants to say goodbye. How much more reasonable could you be? But Jesus says, no, no. In other words, I don't need your commitment later. I need it right now. Not at some point in the future, not to tie up loose ends first, but now. His excuse is, I'll get to it later. I'll get to it later. The guy says, I need closure. Jesus says, no, come now. And I have to admit, when I take these stories, his excuses together, it forms a hard picture of discipleship, costly discipleship, a cross-like, taking up a cross daily kind of discipleship. And we can all imagine, without even the rest of the story, we can imagine what happened from this point. Slowly, people started to leave. They started to trickle away. Slowly, they said, we love you, Jesus, but I can't do that. I can't do what you're requiring me to do. 
And the story culminates with Jesus alone on the cross. See, the excuse stories are hard and troubling, but I think it's because Jesus calls out our tendency to make excuses, to stop, to pause, and examine for ourselves, why isn't God priority in our lives? Why have we chosen to stay in the tank? Because I could try to make these stories easier, but I think today we're just going to leave them difficult. But our task is simple. We need to let go of the excuses. It's time to break the tank. And maybe this goes for you spiritually. Maybe there's another area in your life right now that you've just been putting off and making those excuses. I'll do it later. Like when I get here, I'll do, I'll do that kind of thing. But whether you're new to faith, whether you're skeptical, whether you're in the crowd, or whether you consider yourself a mature follower of Christ, what is your excuse for not taking the next step? What would greater commitment look like for you? And why aren't you moving? What's the excuse for not committing? Or maybe you're committed, but you're not involved. What's your excuse? Maybe you're involved, but maybe there's some people that are called to be leaders here. And stepping up and saying, hey, you know what? I don't know. I don't have all these things together, but, but I'm willing. Maybe you're privately religious. You know, what's your excuse for not letting Jesus into other areas of your life? Well, the best way to deal with excuses, I found this to be true first, is to identify it. You know, what excuse am I hiding by that, behind that is keeping me safe? What is it that I'm trying to prevent doing? But then to interrogate it to dig deeper into the excuse and say, what is it? What is it that I'm struggling with? Where do I need to start with this? How do I need to process this? Who do I need to talk to about this? And, and then ask the question, what will I continue to lose if I continue that excuse? You may remain in the fish tank and it may be super safe, but there's a wider ocean available that God may be calling you to be a part of Malcolm Gladwell, he wrote a book um, years back called Outliers. I highly recommend it if you're looking for a good read. Um, and in that book, his claim to fame is that 10,000 hours of something can make you an expert. Well, did you know that people that go to church for 50 years, say an hour a week, and they have perfect church attendance, do you know that that accumulates to about only 2,600 hours? <laughs> if they attend a class every single week or a group, that may reach about 7,000 hours. But the point is this, we're not gonna grow if we're only logging time. Jesus is not talking about knowledge, Jesus is talking about a life. So what excuses are keeping you from all that God has in store in the great ocean? It's time to break the tank.